Bedford's News Talk Station. 1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning and welcome to Money Wise, the most popular Sunday morning program here on 1420. And for good reason, Ray Lance is here to not only inform us and entertain us, as you do every week with your great quotes, but you give us lots of wonderful information, information that probably we wouldn't know otherwise. So thank you, Ray. Thanks to USA Wealth Group. Well, good morning, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. And thank you so much for listening. It's, it's really gratifying to bump into people all the time who say, I listen to your show a lot. Of course, we also find out that most people listening to the radio or to a show like this, they typically don't have the time to listen to an entire show. Oh, no. Because they're busy, they're making breakfast, they're making the bed, they're going to church, uh, whatever it happens to be. But for those of you who do have an opportunity to visit with us on Sunday morning, a big warm thank you. We Mm -hmm. really appreciate it. Guess what we're going to talk about this morning, Phil? What? What to do when you have an adult child living in your home with you. Oh, yeah. Happens a lot. And sometimes it's because of financial reasons or divorce reasons. And sometimes it's because a child graduating from college may have student loans that they can't afford to pay. Or, as I said, unemployment. They've been laid off. But it's a complicated subject. Uh, We've seen many, many situations, uh, not only in my business, but also in uh, Tenny and Mike's business. We're going to introduce uh, uh, Mike in just a moment. Um, it happens to many people for different kinds of reasons. And parents always want to do the right thing and let the adult child come back in with them. And sometimes it's a successful situation and sometimes it's not. So we're going to talk about the reasons why this occurs and how do you handle it and should you have some rules and how to make it a smoother situation. So stay tuned because we're going to talk with attorney Michael Coleman this morning from Lance Law, Inc. Mm -hmm. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Good Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Michael, all the things that you're an expert on, um, there are so many different things to talk about today. You have information, for example, on special needs trust. Sometimes adult children live with parents because they have special needs. They can't live on their own. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But tell us a little bit about your background, Michael. Let's remind the public once again where you went to college and so forth and where you went to law school. Um, So I'm an attorney at Lance Law, as we mentioned. I went to college down in Connecticut at Fairfield University. That's in Fairfield, Connecticut. I went down to uh, Hofstra School of Law on Long Island. And then I worked in New York for uh, three or four years and then migrated back up here. This is where I'm originally from, Westport, Mass. By the way, did you enjoy living in New York City? I didn't live in the city. I lived on the island, Long Island. Oh, on Long Island. Um, but I do like the city a lot. Hmm. It's a very uh, active, lively place. It's a great place to go to and visit. I wouldn't want to live there, to be honest. I've always felt the same way. I, I yep. love to visit New York City, and I would yeah. never want to live there. Right. But, you know, I have to tell you, Mike, that I've never been on Long Island. Really? Never. Wow. Never. Wow. I'm missing out. Yeah. So is it mostly residential, or is there commercial um, stuff there as well? Mostly or? residential on the on the western part. Once you get out east, you get towards the Hamptons and that area, a lot of wine country. Mm, so really? you can take a ferry from, I think, New Haven, and you get over to Orient Point, Long Island, and you can do wine tours, and it's a nice, nice area. 
So could you take your car from Connecticut across on the ferry, for example? You can. I have uh, friends that live on Long Island, so that's what I do rather than driving down all the way through Connecticut and uh, through all the tolls in New York right. and then back the other way on the island. Mm -hmm. I just go straight over and um, west. Well, I, I feel culturally deprived. I've never been to Long Island. So would you recommend it as like a, a tourist place to go visit for Maybe a long weekend or something? If you're into wine, I think that's one reason to go. They have a lot of nice vineyards out wine? there. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I like wine. I'm not a big wine fan, so I that wouldn't attract me. But. How about beer? Do they have breweries out there? <laughs> I don't know. I know it's more of a wine place. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely have to visit, so uh, thanks. I didn't even realize that when you lived there, you lived in... On the island. I thought right. On Long Island. I thought you had lived... Uh, I live close city. to Hofstra, which is on... Long Island. Okay. Uh, in Hempstead, New York. All right. Well, that's going to be definitely on my destination list, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. I bet there's a lot of people listening today who have never been to New York City or Long Island. Well, they should definitely go. It's a great place. So much to do, plays and museums mm -hmm. and so much to see. It's yeah, three or four years ago, uh, Tenny and I went down to um, New York on Thanksgiving because we wanted to see the Macy's Parade. We had never seen it. It was great fun, yeah. but it was windy that morning. We were afraid they were going to pull all the balloons down and not show them. They had them shortened, so they weren't up as high in the air. Oh, yeah. And it was cold as a bugger. Really? Yeah, I, yeah. I was there one year for that, and we were outside, and it's very crowded, obviously, and mm -hmm. it was freezing. And it was like 25 or 30 degrees that day we were there, and there was a real strong wind blowing, and we just shivered and chattered. Yeah. In the old days... You know how they got rid of those huge things? No. They'd, they'd cut the ropes and let them fly off. Really? Wow. wow. Inside, they would have coupons. So when, and if you ever got a hold of one, you'd puncture it and get whatever the coupon was inside the uh, various inflated animals and what For Macy's, I assume. Uh, but of course, <laughs> for Macy's. Did you ever see that? Have you been to see the Macy's parade? No. No. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, Phil. I never knew about that. Of course, today you couldn't do that because of FAA regulations and EPA regulations and right, yeah. any number of government regulations, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, forget that. <laughs> and the drones and everything. Yep. Sure. Well, I was going to say something that I probably shouldn't say on the air, so I will zip my lip, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Well, let's get into our topic. We're going to talk about your home and... Um, Tenny and I have had the situation when we've had uh, both our daughter and our son living with us for a while after they were, you know, out of the home and emancipated, and for different reasons they came back to live with us for a while, Peter for um, a number of months, I guess close to a year, mm -hmm. and parents want to take the children in when that happens or when they have a need, obviously, you don't want your child to be out on the street, but um, we didn't have any written rules at the time when we did those things. Mm. Um, and that's probably a good idea. One of the things I've always told people over the years, Phil, is that between relatives and between friends, always put things in writing. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a business arrangement or a contractual arrangement, you don't want misunderstandings because you each have a different view of something. But um, we have many, many situations. I, you know, it's hard to give kids advice anyways. It's hard to give children advice. I. I still call my adult kids kids sometimes because oh, sure. they're always going to be my kids. Yeah. But Harry Truman once said, 
I have found the best way to give advice to your children is to find out what they want and then advise them to do it. <laughs> no, it's not going to listen to you anyway. <laughs> but um, so let's let's talk a little bit about what does it mean when you have an adult child uh, living with you um, or needs to come back with you. And today we have many reasons why that occurs. We have expensive college loans. We have the fact that we still don't have a very strong economy. Um, And children simply have a financial need sometimes to live at home for a while. Maybe it's to pay off student loans. Maybe it's to find a job. There aren't a lot of jobs for everybody right out of college today. And there are also lots of layoffs that take place. But um, there are a few. Divorce. Or divorce, or some financial reversal. Mm -hmm. And. Sometimes it's just a comfortable living arrangement. It makes economic sense and financial sense. So I have one good way to avoid that situation. If you don't want your adult children to come back and live with you, downsize your home. Then there's no place for them to be. So sell your larger home with three bedrooms and just get yourself a smaller place. And we'll say, gee, we're sorry. We don't have any room for you. Don't expect a Father's Day card, Ray. (laughs) All right? That's all I can say. Turn their room into a den or a music studio. Yeah. In fact, there's been some ads on that. There was a, I I saw an ad not long ago. There was a a couple, and the child comes home looking for his room. And the parents had ditched the bedroom and made it into a really elaborate bathroom. Remember that? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Oh, while you were away, we remodeled the home. (laughs) But um, Uh, it is a serious subject. So, Mike, let me ask you, and we're talking with attorney Michael Coleman this morning. um, What if you have an adult child with you um, and they have a medical emergency or medical needs? Um, You do estate planning, obviously, for the parents, and you put legal documents in place, such as wills and trusts and powers of attorney. If you have a child living with you who's over 18, they can make their own decisions. They're legally of age. Mm-hmm. Um, They're an adult. Should they also have documents? Yeah, and this would be up to the child. Um, of course, the parents could advise the child. As you said, they don't always listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the child should have a health care proxy, um, durable power of attorney. If something should happen to the adult child there in the hospital, uh, the parents would no longer be able to make decisions on their behalf without these documents executed. So they are important documents to have. And a lot of 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds, that's the last thing on their mind, Sure, is uh, doing legal documents. But. but it's not only a good recommendation and good advice. I suppose a parent could maybe even get some advice from you and say, I have an adult child who now needs to live with me for a while. Is there anything that I should be thinking about doing either to protect myself or to protect my house? Um, you know, things of that nature. So I suppose one of the things the parents could say is, you can stay with me for you know, some period of time, you can live with me for an indefinite period of time, but one of the things you really need to do is to create a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy right? so that if anything happens where I have to make a medical decision for you, I could. Right. Exactly. And yeah. typically that person might not be married or could be separated. So that's a real good, strong recommendation, uh, first of all. Now... What about if the child has their own bank account, which typically they would, um, and if they haven't given power of attorney to somebody else, I suppose they might do a joint bank account with a the parent. They could, yeah. They could certainly put their parent onto the account. Um, 
like you said, if they're not married, they're not in that situation yet, they wouldn't have a spouse to put on there. So yeah, they could put the parents onto the account as long as they that's what they wanted to do. I don't know how many children would actually want to put their parents onto their bank account, but it's one way to have to avoid uh, the conservatorship process, which is where someone would have to go into court and be appointed a conservator, and then um, that's a long process. It's a costly process, and it's something a parent would not want to have to go through if their child is in the hospital or, or sick. Mm-hmm. So. so clearly one recommendation I would make for anybody listening today, if you are in a situation where you have an adult child living with you, or even if you're the adult child who's living today, there ought to be legal documents in place, and somebody could be in touch with you, Mike, to just get some basic advice and say, what should I do to protect myself? What should I do to protect my adult child who's living with me? So if they want to do that, how would they get in touch with you, Mike, to get information? Uh, You could give us a call. It's uh, 508-998-8800. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we do, we have a website. So it's lancelawinc.com. So feel free to visit that. We have a blog. Um, We have a recipe sharing campaign on there. Uh, We have seminars. So, yeah, feel free to visit the website or give us a call. Okay. And what we are about on this radio show, Money Wise, every week is showing people how to protect your family and how to protect your money. And this is another way to protect your family. If you don't have certain documents in place and your adult child has a medical emergency, you can't help them. Uh, so get get some advice from somebody like attorney Mike Coleman. And, uh, you know, we have different generations. Uh, they're all labeled like, um, are you a baby boomer, Phil? I am. Or are you beyond the baby boomer? I'm for 1949. 1949. Well, I predate you by a little bit, so I think I'm still a baby boomer, but I'm not sure. I guess the baby boomers were the babies that were born right after World War II, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep when uh, there was a massive surge in population because mm. all the GIs returned home again. That's right. And they had nothing else to do but make more babies. <laughs> That's why they call it the baby boomer generation. Is that, the, is that how it's defined correctly? No, never mind. <laughs> well, we have other generations called Generation X. Generation X is if you were born between 1965 and 1980 or you're roughly 36 to 51 years of age. Mm-hmm. And then... Generation Y, they call the millennials, the millennium generation, between 1981 and 2000. And that's a lot of the younger people today, uh, roughly ages 16 to 35. And first of all, I think it's more common to see the uh, Generation Y or the millennials, which is an easier way to call them, uh, still living at home. And I know in our office we have um, some of the um, women employees who still live at home. Some are emancipated, some are not, because uh, they may be in a startup job. They may have school loans. And they simply financially can make out much better continuing to live with, with uh, parents. And in that situation, we recommend, we think it's a good idea, to have a list of written rules um, It can be called actually a contract with a child living at home. It can be formal or it can be informal. And we've got some models for that. If somebody would like to see that, they can get in touch uh, with either me on the USA Wealth side or they can contact Mike on the law firm. And so, um, Mike, I know you've seen this contract for an adult child living at such and such a household. And I know this sounds a little silly to think of an adult child handling chores, 
but why not lay out the chores? If the child's, if the adult child is going to be living there, you can have a list of things that they ought to be doing. It defines responsibility. It avoids conflict. Sure. Um, and you could talk about, you know, who's going to mow the lawn, who's going to clear the yard, who's going to do, you know, whatever it happens to be, taking care of vehicles. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of ways in which the adult child can be very, very, very useful in the home and helping to relieve the parents of some burden. It doesn't have to be as formal as a contract, but it could be a simple list saying, hey, as long as I'm here, I'm going to agree that I'm going to do these kinds of things. And we have many situations. Um, um, I have dozens and dozens of clients myself on the financial business who uh, are still living at home with parents, and they participate in uh, different kinds of things. I have a situation over in uh, Somerset, Swansea area right now where there's a, a gentleman who's been living with his parents really all of his life, and he's been able to amass and accumulate large amounts of money for retirement. So it's a way of saving. It's, it's a good economy, you can realize, mm-hmm. when that happens. And what's happened now is that uh, his father has passed away. His mother is becoming fairly infirm, but he's become the caregiver now for his mother. And you know, he doesn't bathe her and do things that are you know, really intimate and personal. He'll have somebody come in and help with that. But he can do everything else, including taking her to medical appointments, doing the grocery shopping, doing the cooking, all those kinds of things. So it can be a mutually beneficial arrangement uh, to accomplish this. Um, We've got other people who have multiple houses on the same parcel of land, and the mother will live in one house and the son will live in another house. It's a little bit different situation, but basically you're still living in very close proximity to take care of each other. Um, We have children, of course, who are still in college, who are legally adults. They might even be over the age of 21, and they're commuting to BCC or someplace else, UMass Dartmouth. And that's a slightly different arrangement because although they're legally adults, they're not fully emancipated yet. But we've got a situation in our own office of that kind of a situation. So um, it is a a case when you have to look at a lot of these things. Mike, um, have you seen situations when the plan is for the child, the adult child, to live in the house for a really long time, and then what the parents want to do is actually go to the trouble to uh, create something like a life estate deed, for example? Yeah, I have seen that. Basically, that's a good way of transferring uh, title to the house to the child without a, without going through the whole probate process. Um, so if you have a deed and the parents are on that deed alone and something were to happen to both of them, then the child would have to go to the probate court and be appointed a personal representative and go through that whole process. Um, whereas with a life estate deed, if something happens to the parents, that title automatically vests in the child. So that's a really good way of passing on that interest in the property to the mm-hmm. child who's already living there anyway. Now, what do you do in a situation if you have one child who's living with the parents and they want the house to go to that child, um, but they have other assets and they have other children? Can you create provisions in the legal documents to basically equalize the values? 
Yeah, I mean, we could do a trust or a will, and we can write anything in there that you really want. Uh, we can create life estates within a trust for the child to live in that house while the house actually remains in the trust. Um, we can have different percentage beneficiaries or specific distributions within a trust. So there are all sorts of things that we can do within that document that could help with that situation, mm -hmm. certainly. Well, I know I've done some financial services work for a family, first for the parents, and the parents are both gone. And there were two adult children who were living in the house, uh, basically. One has disability benefits. The other one is employed. And, but there's also a couple of other siblings who live outside the home. And because of this long-term relationship with the two children living in the house, uh, the parents wanted to make sure that that could continue. Mm -hmm. And so I know that um, you, you folks in the law firm did the work that said that the two adult children living in the home can continue to stay there. Yeah. And then when they're gone, the house gets sold and the proceeds get divided amongst the others. But you can still do things to equalize overall the interest. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. And that actually can be a complicated situation sometimes because... You know, sometimes the children, if, if some of the kids have been helped out by the parents over their lifetimes and the others have been more independent, mm. there can be some bitterness there. Sure. So uh, when a parent passes away, um, the kids can sort of fight over things saying, well, you got this during your lifetime, but we were completely independent, so now, now why are we all getting equal shares now? I should get more. So uh, I just met with a client the other day who's going through that in his head trying to figure out how to, how to handle that situation. Well, and, and you can make that adjustment. So that's something I think very important for people to realize is that uh, sometimes it's done with money. Sometimes one child has a financial need and parents will give a loan or give some money to the child. And the other kids eventually become aware of that. And so you could adjust that inside your trust or your will as well. Right, certainly we could, yeah. And say, well take up the value of everything I've given to child A, and that will be treated as part of their inheritance and right. equalize right. everything. Right. That's a good thing to do because the most important thing you want to do is keep kids from having disagreements uh, later. Right. Did you ever get any advice from your father? Occasionally. <laughs> you ever follow the advice from your father? Maybe I should ask Occasionally. that question. Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> I never got a lot of advice from my father. Well, actually, he told me, he gave me sex education when he went off to the Korean War, and I was about 16, I think, at the time. Um, but I can't repeat it. It was just, <laughs> it was just, you know, you're the man of the family now while I'm gone, so, you know, basically watch yourself. <laughs> yep. Yeah. His words were a little bit more graphic, but it was one sentence. I had one sentence of sex education from my father. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I think all my problems stem to that. Uh -huh. <laughs> you want to hear about an unusual living situation? Sure. There is a, a university that is now placing students, rather than in dormitories, in retirement homes with elderly. And they say the relationship is so positive for both. It's free room and board for the student. Great. But the relationship on the older person's part is extraordinary. Yeah. Mm. I think that's a marvelous idea. What a great idea, sure. And it's a little bit similar to having, you know, pets or pet visits sometimes in yeah. nursing homes and 
assisted living facilities. Right. But I like that idea. That's a terrific idea. Mm-hmm. You know, some cultures have been doing uh, what we're describing today for many years, the Japanese culture in particular. They revere the elderly population. They take care of them. And it's, it's more common than uncommon to have layers of generations right. living together. That's right. And it's, it's sometimes you'll have an adult, older person coming into a house with younger people. Like my grandmother on my mother's side lived with us for many years, the last years of her life. Um, but it's no, it's no longer unusual to have multiple layers living in the same it. household. I know it. Yeah. Remember the movie Moonstruck? Yeah. And a little old man kept walking through the room saying, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> well, we have some specific things to talk about, including how do you get rid of an adult child living in the house if you don't want them there any longer? And can we evict them? So we're going to talk about that when we come right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Money Wise. Our topic this morning is. What do you do and how do you handle having an adult child living in your home with you? And sometimes it's a marriage situation. We're here this morning with attorney Michael Coleman from Lancelot, Inc. How are you? Welcome back, Mike. We're going to talk a little bit about some special needs trust because sometimes um, you have to have a special arrangement if you have an adult child with disabilities living with you. And I'm going to ask you in a couple of minutes, Mike, the question about... Can you evict an adult child who has become a problem and you no longer want them in the house with you? And uh, we're going to talk about that. But, you know, Mario Cuomo, uh, former governor of New York, once said, I talk and talk and talk, and I haven't taught people in 50 years what my father taught me by example in one week. Mm. So I learned stuff from my father. He was not a very verbal person. I guess I get that from my mother. But uh, he taught me some important lessons and things that I remember. He used to tell me, stand up straight or I'm going to get you a back brace, you know, for example. But he was always about, you know, discipline and pride and watching what you do. That was the Marine Corps training in him. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, you, you have learned a lot of things, whether you can realize it or recognize it or not. But um, we do learn things from our parents and... Sometimes adult children, I think, living with parents may not think that they're learning stuff from their parents, but they really, truly are. What do we do in the situation, Mike, attorney Mike Coleman, when we have a child with disabilities? A child with disabilities, uh, unless they're going to be in a special home, most parents want them in their own home with them. Right, yeah. And so... They can obviously take care of the child while the child is alive, for the most part. They might go for rehab or therapy. But what happens when the parent's gone? How are they taking care of? Well, one of the things they can do is uh, set up what's called a special needs trust. Um, So this is a trust that would be for the benefit of the child. And the trust can be funded during the parent's lifetime or maybe through a will. And what happens is that the money in that trust, or the funds in the trust, would be used to take care of the child when the parent passes away. And one of the important things about um, special needs planning is that a lot of times these children are on government benefits. So one of the good things about the special needs trust is that it won't interfere with those benefits, which are a lot of times very important to the child. 
So I suspect there are probably some people listening today who may have a disabled child living with them, and maybe they have or maybe they have not set up a special needs trust. Right. And that's something that they should certainly explore or revisit if they haven't. And again, um, why don't you give the folks your phone number in case somebody is in that situation, Mike? Sure. It's 508-998-8800. We also have a website, lancelawinc.com, if you want to visit that. Good. Well, let's talk a little bit about when the adult child comes back. We've talked about the fact that there ought to be some kind of a contract or a set of rules so there isn't any misunderstanding. And I I suppose those rules might even include such things as what happens if you come in late at night? I mean, you don't want to restrict the total independence of the adult child living with you, but what happens if they come in inebriated at 1 o'clock in the morning and make a lot of noise, Mm -hmm. as an example? So there ought to be rules for some of those kinds of things, you know, if you're coming in after hours. Or what if you have an adult single child living with you who wants to bring a companion home for the night? The parents need to respect the privacy in that situation. So there are many, many things that really ought to be discussed. And there's um, one of my favorite quotes is from Robert Frost. And it says... Home is the place where, when you have to go there, they have to take you in. (laughs) I've used that actually before. But when you think about it, if a child has a need to reside with you for a while, most parents want to welcome them in, welcome them back. Sometimes there's a period of time when they're thrilled about it and happy about it because they haven't seen their child for a little while. But you need to have some kind of basic rules and establish some uh, relationship. There's also a fine line, I suspect, Phil, when we have an adult child who maybe needs to be independent. And so what the parents should not probably do is just wait wait on the child Mm -hmm. all the time and do everything for them because then that will become expected. You know, meals are one thing. For example, you know, the mother might make the, the meals typically, and that's understood. But the child also should probably need to participate in helping to take care of the household. Um, Albert Hubbard once said, when parents do too much for their children, the children will not do much for themselves. Mm -hmm. So there are lessons to be taught and lessons to be learned in all of this. What's happening now is there's something called um, boomerang kids. And that's a situation where uh, it's been described a lot in the media you have a child who's been independent on their own for a while. Something happens in their life. They, they have an illness. They have a need. They, they lose their job. They have a financial problem. Um, and they need to come back home and live for a while. And so those are what we call boomerang kids. And there's lots of articles uh, written in the Huff Post and other places um, where you can get some good advice if you're in that kind of a situation. We're happy to provide any of these articles for you, by the way. Get in touch with USA Wealth Group at yeah. 508-998-8858. We'll be happy to provide some of this information. But the starting point of all this is to remember that it's the parent's home right. and it's not the child's home. And that's the number one rule that everybody has to think about. And it can be useful, too, if a parent wants to go on vacation because the child can stay at home and help take care of it. Uh, One thing that has to be addressed is should the child be making a rent payment or financial contribution or or not, and not necessarily. Uh, They don't have to necessarily. 
Um, but you don't want the child to become a financial burden at the same time. And so if it's teenagers, uh, that's one thing. But remember, if the teenage years are gone behind, don't try to treat the children like they're still a teenager because they're not. They're adults, and you have to respect that. But you have to set rules, and if the child's behavior has a negative impact on the parents, then you need to be able to converse about it and talk about it and say, you know, it really would be helpful if you uh, left, put the lights out after you came in at night and don't leave the lights on or whatever it happens to be. Um, but it is a situation today. It's a more common situation, and it's a very useful situation. Uh, I don't think it should be characterized as a problem. It's not necessarily a problem. It can be a big benefit for both older parents and uh, younger children, adult children. So um, what, what happens when the child has a job where they can support themselves and they want to continue to live at home? Uh, there's nothing wrong at all with that picture. If they don't have a different kind of place to go to, it allows the adult child to, as I said, accumulate more money or, or save for something or save for a down payment on a house or whatever it, ha whatever it happens to be. But um, let's talk for a moment about what are some of the legal issues that may still come up? Let's talk about what if you have a problem child living at home, Mike, Attorney Michael Coleman. Can we evict a child who's living at home? Are they a tenant or are they just a family member? I imagine that gets a little complicated. Yeah, you just mentioned uh, rent a moment ago, and I think that's one of the important things to consider. If a child is paying rent, I think essentially, and I'm not a landlord, tenant, attorney, but they become a tenant. And once they become a tenant as opposed to just a guest, then you would have to go through legal proceedings to get them out of the house. Um, if they were just a guest not paying rent, then you could demand that they leave, and they, if they didn't want to, hopefully the police would be willing to help out to get them out of the house. Um, hmm. But I think a lot of people would be pretty hesitant to do that with their children, especially yeah. if they let them move in in the first place. They don't want to go down that route, I would think. Well, I would think so, too, and, and I suppose you have another unusual situation if they're not paying rent. Are they a tenant? Um, I remember there used to be something called a tenant at sufferance, which is somebody you've allowed to come in and live with you. They're not paying rent, so they're not sort of a classic tenant who's paying rent, but they're somebody who's living there with your permission. You have suffered them or you have allowed them to live with you, hence uh, tenants at sufferance. So I suppose even in that situation, you could bring an eviction action against somebody. Yeah, if they're considered a tenant, certainly I'd have to have to get an eviction action going. Um, so you got to think about that. If a child's moving back in and you anticipate wanting to get them out of the house at some point, you might right. want to think about whether or not to actually make them pay rent and have them turn into a tenant. It might be easier if they don't pay rent and you can just boot them, hopefully. So you could trick them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just a guest, so you get the police to say, come down Jay, why don't and you remove... start paying some rent? Say, so pay rent for two months. Oh, by the way, you're a tenant. We're going to evict you. <laughs> I like that idea, Michael. Yeah, there you that go. very crafty. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's Those Father's Day cards are going to keep. <laughs> I don't know, Ray. <laughs> well, I've always said that I would never move in to live with my daughter. <laughs> I think I'd rather live in my car. <laughs> 
Oh, well, well. A lot of kids do live in their cars. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're laughing about some of these things, but they are some serious topics. Yeah, oh, sure. So do remember that if it's, it's your home, if you're the adult parent, and you do have rights, and if you have problems, there's a way to address them. I suppose, Mike, there's one other thing that the parents could do if they think that there's a problem with the, the children or the child living there. They could sit down with you and get some legal advice and say, what can I do? What are my options? Right. Yeah, certainly. Um, hopefully, it wouldn't have to be the eviction process. You get right. the courts involved. I mean, that could be messy. Yeah. Um, maybe sometimes it could be a strongly worded letter or just, you know, the parents sitting down and having a conversation that maybe they were reluctant to have in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've actually got a list of some reasons of how to get your adult children to move out. Um, first of all, you don't want them taking advantage of you uh, financially or, or just not participating in helping take care of the home, whether it's an apartment or a house. Um, if they're not doing their share to help take care of things, then maybe they're just mooching off you, and um, that needs to be addressed. And say, look, we're happy to have you stay here. We know that you're you know, looking for a job. You're on unemployment compensation right now. But if you're going to be here, we don't want to have a bigger mess to take care of. We want you to pick up after yourself. But it would also be helpful if you could participate in helping to maintain the home and take care of things. Um, parents should never be a, a snoop on what the adult child is doing. They're an adult. They have a life. There might be circumstances why they need to live with you for a while. Uh, you don't want to snoop on their affairs. You don't want to listen to their phone calls and check into what they're doing. Um, mail is a big one for me. Uh, never open mail that doesn't get addressed personally to you. First of all, it's a federal crime, even in your own household. Hmm. People don't realize that. But I never open my wife's mail. She never opens my mail doesn't matter whether it's junk mail or whatever it happens. Don't open a child's mail. Um, if there is a need for the child to move out because it's become a burden, um, show a united front. So mom and dad should agree on this and then sit down with the child and say, we've got some issues, we've got some problems, it's not working. Um, ask the child if they want to move out. Set a deadline. Say, you know, we'll help you find another place, but here's the date that we'd like to focus on. And by the way, it's this Saturday. Yeah. No, <laughs> it wouldn't be that much time, obviously, that short a time. But, you know, set a reasonable deadline and say, we'd like to work towards this particular date. Um, if you're going to move into an apartment, um, we understand you can pay the first month's rent, but maybe not the security deposit. So we'll put up the money for the security deposit for you. So find out what the obstacles are. Um, help them with packing. Put their bags out on the sidewalk. <laughs> no, just, uh, but as the deadline gets closer, just say, you know, how's it going? And, you know, make sure that they still are aware that there is a deadline. So um, I guess in a worst case scenario, the parents could say, we're moving out. We're the ones moving out. <laughs> All right. You could do that as well. But before kicking adult children out of the house, let them talk, let them speak, let them find out. If they, are serious and they're looking for jobs and they've got some good interviews going on say this is great and you know when you get the job and if you get one of these jobs that's terrific then you know ideally within the next 30 to 60 days after that it would be better if you were living on your own you'll have your own privacy but set some expectations of what you're expecting 
So it's, it's not just millennials, although millennials is the most common situation. It's even people who are older than the millennials who are now moving back in. And it's really a reflection on the economy. Um, we'll have to see what happens in the elections and who gets elected. But the economy still is a little bit stagnant in this country right now. And it is causing people to live together. And sometimes it makes just financial economic sense to do that. The, um, the numbers of 18 to 34-year-olds living with their parents today is higher than it has been in decades, and according to the Pew Research Foundation. And that's clearly a reflection of what's happening in the economy. And also, uh, Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts did a poll of parents. That happens to be my college, by the way, but I was pleased to see this pop up. They did a poll of parents of students, Clark University, and said 56% of the parents are still providing some financial support for the 26 to 29-year-olds with occasional support. And most parents will do that. If you have a child who has a financial problem, maybe they're not necessarily going to move in with you, but they might need some financial help. It doesn't hurt to document that with a promissory note, I would think, Mike. Right, sure. And let them know that there's an expectation. Did you ever borrow money from a parent, Phil? No. <laughs> My parents didn't have too much money. I did once. I was telling Mike, I think, this story recently. I was telling somebody, and um, I needed some funds. It was very early, very, very early at the very beginning of my career, and I borrowed some money from my father, and I did a promissory note. And then when the time came to repay the money, I didn't have the funds quite together to do it, and I felt really uncomfortable. Uh-huh. So I went down to a bank, and I borrowed the money with a bank loan, got a personal loan. I paid sure. back my father, yeah. and I said, I'm never going to do that again. I don't want to be in the position of asking my parents to borrow money. Yeah, But it does happen, and um, you need to document it and put it in writing if that happens. Um, one of the reasons that adult children, especially the millennials, those who are, say, roughly 18 to 35, are still living at home or choose to live at home is because they're also getting married later in life. And this, again, gives them an opportunity perhaps to accumulate mm-hmm. money to put towards a common household when they do get married. Right. But the age of marriage is going up all the time. And um, But... Um, Boomerang kids is really an interesting situation. I find that to be a very interesting terminology. You know, you're 30-something who moves back in. Most important rule is have some rules, have some expectations when that occurs. Mike, when you see uh, adult children move back into a home, and I I know you've seen that in your own practice as well, um, do you think it's common or uncommon for them to come in and do legal documents or address it? Probably uncommon, I would think. Um, They certainly should, but I think it's less common. Uh, I can think of one situation where I think it's a multifamily house and the daughter lives on one level, the mother lives on another, and they don't get along at all, unfortunately. Um, So it can be tough. It can be really tough. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things we haven't talked about yet is college majors and the contributing factor to why kids are um, not getting jobs these days. I know... I know maybe 
um, someone were to go to trade school or something like that, I think they probably have a much better chance of, of getting a job. Whereas, I think in today's economy, that's oh, absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's something to think about. Right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, one of those particular studies is that we have also found out that engineers um, are more likely to have a job than anybody else, any other majors. And mm-hmm. so they're less likely to move back home. So if you want to make sure your child doesn't move back home with you, ladies and gentlemen, tell them to go major in engineering science exactly. and become something, an engineer. Something very useful. And I guess that's perhaps because uh, engineers can figure things out better, right? Yeah. Where yeah. they're more marketable in the job market. Yeah, it's just something that is needed out there, whereas you know, kids go to college and get uh, degrees in art history or uh, something like that, and... And what do they do with that when they graduate? Mm-hmm. So, Well, we have a whole study list. If anybody is interested, this is a little bit off topic, but it's not exactly. No, it's very interesting. We have an article that says, um, see which college majors lead graduates to their parents' basements. <laughs> We're happy to provide that as well. Uh, so percentage living at home, if you majored in agriculture, uh, 43% of agricultural graduates are more likely to live at home. Uh, same thing with architects, because architects have a harder time getting jobs. So some of them are fairly high, um, and some of them are not. Interestingly, if you are a religious student and have majored in religion, you're more likely to be living on your own than to be living at home. I'm not sure why. Maybe think- it's because you learn to pray and you don't want to be at home with your parents. You've gotten good advice. I don't know what the reason would be. Probably because so few kids want to actually do that these days, I would think. Yeah, or yeah, that's true, and maybe they're more employable for that reason. Yeah. You know, in the next few weeks, um, probably in the next 30 days or so, we're going to be doing a program strictly on college financing and college funding and how to pay for college. It's a huge burden today. You know, what does a child do when they graduate from college, for example, if it's student loans and they don't have a job? Boy, how do they handle that situation? Uh, that's tough. Um, so if you're going to have a child living at home, if you're in a situation where you have a child living at home with you now, get some advice. There's things that you could do. You want to protect the children yeah. and the, the child living with you, but you want to protect yourself as well. I wonder if everyone needs college. No. That's a good question. I don't think so. No. I would say absolutely not. Yeah. Um, we've been under, you know, the thinking that everyone needs college. There's been, you know, a national movement like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But now if you really sort it out and really give this issue balance, right. you see that there are different answers to it. No, I would say just the opposite. I would say not everybody should go to college. But for that reason, I really admire what the vocational schools do. Yeah. And if you want to really be sure of the future, I think one of the smartest things a young person could do is go to a vocational school, learn a trade, and then go to college if you want to. Now you've got two possibilities for being employed. Or maybe a good idea would be to take a year or two off between high school and college and go out into the real world and see what it's like and then, then, you know, then make a decision about college. Well, that brings up a really interesting uh, subject, Mike, because I'm a strong believer that Every person in this country graduating from high school owes a year to their country. I love that idea. And they should either go into the military service, which very few people do, or they could go into community service, be a teacher's aide. There's all kinds of social kinds of things they could do. AmeriCorps or Peace Corps. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Those kinds of things. I think everybody should do that. But 
If you happen to be an adult child living uh, at home with parents right now listening to this show, think about what more you could do in the household that you're living in to make it easier for your parents because your being there is a real privilege to you. And you should also set some financial goals, um, get some legal documents in place, but set some financial goals so don't just live there and spend your money Make some plans to save some money. Sure. That's well, Mike, great. as always, I'm I'm thrilled when you can be on the show with us uh, from Lancelot Inc. Yeah, um, thanks for having me and um, contribute to this enterprise. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we, we do appreciate very much you listening to Moneywise every week. Brought to you by USA Wealth Group. Our goal is to help you, show you some things that you can do to make more financial sense out of your life, how to have a sound retirement plan, and how to have safe money strategies in place. Give us a call at 508-998-8858. And stay tuned in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about uh, credit card issues again because we barely scratched that topic a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and some other really interesting topics. Stay tuned to Money Wise. Mm -hmm. Thank you every week so much for listening to us. It really is. And this show was so interesting. Thank you both. Uh, Folks, as Ray said, thank you so very, very much. We really appreciate you listening in each and every Sunday at this time, 8 to 9 o'clock, for Money Wise with Ray Lance. So until next Sunday, all the very, very best. Thank you. And we're going to do a special show, too, on what if you're an adult and you want to live together in sin? How should you plan your finances? Oh, wow. So stay tuned and keep listening. All right.